0: Welcome to the Praxis behind the obscure podcast and today i have a special guest i have uh, megan rose phd she has a doctorate in east-west psychology from the california institute of integral studies and a master's degree in religion and society from the graduate theological union uh, she is an initiated ceremonial magician shakta tantric practitioner and a senior seer in the house of free uh, fairy seership institute she serves as an eco-spiritual minister and psycho-spiritual counselor and is the executive director of the Intheos Institute. So thanks a lot for uh, doing the podcast. As I mentioned before we hit record, I'm reading your book and really enjoying it and uh, definitely recommend it to people out there. And so uh, I want to start out with, uh, I'm just interested, how did you get, uh, how did you personally get interested in the topic of spirit marriage and uh, how would you define spirit marriage?
1: Yeah, well, um, I was you know, I, I, I like to say that I was sort of came out of the womb and was uh, opened to the contact and uh, the sort of embodied contact of other worldly beings from a very early age. i I was raised in the Pentecostal Christian tradition, and so speaking in tongues and laying out of hands and the sort of channeling of what you know in that tradition they call the Holy Spirit, um, was just sort of an average, you know, Wednesday night for me. (laughs) And (laughs) so, um, but, you know, as I matured and became kind of disenchanted with, um, the more fundamentalist forms of Christianity, I became really fascinated with embodied spirituality and what was going on in my body when I was having these sort of ecstatic experiences. So I, Went to school. I went to seminary at the Graduate Theological Union to really study religion and and really study um, how religion shapes and forms and um, us as uh, individuals and as you know within cultures. And then you know after studying religion for a number of years, I um, began to train as a holistic healing practitioner. Um, and really putting those sort of embodied spiritual practices into into good use as a healing arts practitioner, um, doing sort of integrative therapies, um, body work, energy healing, uh, spiritual counseling, that kind of stuff. And along those lines, I was introduced to ceremonial magic and um, tantra. And it was sort of that thread that began to open me to more um, extraordinary intimacy with otherworldly beings. And I began to have sort of these intimate encounters. They were pleasant, but they were also sort of perplexing. And um, at one point one of the contacts that I was having this sort of spiritual, um, lover, the spirit lover phenomena was happening mostly in my dreams. And then the spirit said, I, Marry me? Will you marry me? And I was like, what, what, what? Like, what is that? (laughs) Is that a a thing? I mean, I I knew about, you know, from my um, religious studies background, I knew about, you know, like the Genesis account, right? The sons of God, the angels marrying the humans and giving birth to the nephilim, but I didn't think it was an actual thing that was still happening. I thought it was just sort of a. a myth, mythological story or a sort of cosmological origin myth. And so I began to research it and uh, really try to understand, you know, what, what was the purpose of this? What, who was the spirit, first of all, um, because it wasn't a, a, a clear, decisive con- contact, it shifted and changed a lot. And, um, and also, why? Like, what was the purpose of this? Um, and what was I? What was going to be expected of me if I said yes? So that really launched me. That catapulted me into, uh, you know, back into my academic researcher role, and ended up going to do my PhD to really study this phenomena from a psychospiritual perspective, and did my PhD in psychology, really to try and understand. Not just historically, how has this happened? Well, you know, I looked at the anthropological accounts, the mythological accounts, and the religious accounts, but also, were people still doing this in this day and age? Mm-hmm. And by the way, yeah. <laughs> um, and why? And really, I was trying to understand why other folks were doing it so I could better understand what was happening with me. And so that's what I ended up doing. I, you know, I researched it for about 10 years and did my PhD, my doctoral dissertation on spirit marriage. And then um, I turned it into the book um, that just came out in April. And um, the book is, you know, part historical analysis but really, the heart of the book is all the interviews of other spirit and marriage practitioners that I collected, and then the last part is, you know, uh, okay, so now what? What do you what do you do with all this? But spirit marriage, just to answer your question about what is it, it's mm-hmm. um, when a human steps into a bonded, committed, loving relationship with an otherworldly being. Um, And that I use the term spirit because it's just sort of the most broadest sense of what we could be talking about. Um, But it's sort of an umbrella term for or shorthand for deities, angels, elementals, um, fairy, uh, beloved dead, ancestors, um, really anything that isn't in a corporeal human form at this time. Um, So the category is really broad. Um, and then marriage is again, you know, it's sort of the best shorthand for understanding that you're committing to being in an ongoing relationship with this being that can sometimes be, um, erotic, but isn't necessarily the hallmark of the relationship. It's more about the committed co-creative relationship that, um, that you sign up for.
0: Okay, great. Um, I'm just curious about your own personal experience. You had mentioned that um, uh, this experience happened to you and uh, sort of the spirit reached out and um, uh, wanted to get married with you or sort of proposed this thing. Was this a result of, were you, were you doing like specific operations or specific um, like magical workings or was it sort of more uh, spontaneous or um, like it just sort of randomly happened that you started uh, working with the spirit?
1: It's a good question. Um, it was sort of a both and
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was, uh, working, uh, ceremonial magic traditions. Um, I was also experimenting with some of my own, you know, conjure practices, um, wasn't specifically calling in a spirit marriage, but I had done some sex magic work around calling in a spirit lover. Mm -hmm. Um, and had, I think that I wasn't entirely aware. I know for a fact that I was not aware of the Babylon operation, which is Mm -hmm. something that, um, Parsons used to summon his, uh, angel through, uh, Marjorie Cameron. Uh, but I ended up sort of, um, intuitively creating a ritual very similar to that for myself um, which, and this was a little bit later on down the line, once uh, I had been proposed to by the Spirit, but, um, you know, I had been reading, uh, one, one of the things that I did do fairly early on was to create a, uh, to use the Rose Cross uh, to create a sigil for Mm -hmm. the spirit so that I had somewhat of a container that I could work with it within and created a, an acrostic name that way. And that was, you know, uh, because that the nature of the spirit was somewhat fluid. And, um, but I also relied really heavily on, um, like Stan Groff talks about, um, a transpersonal psychologist. He talks about contact with Um, these beings uh, and how they visually show up for us is less important than the somatic, how they feel to us, because, you know, the visuals can are so unreliable. Even the sound can be fairly unreliable um, and shift a lot. But I tended to go with um, when I was having the same somatic response to the spirit, that was an indicator to me that it was the same being, even though it showed up in vastly different guises. And that's not uncommon for, um, particularly for, for deity beings who have maybe an animal form and a human form and a non, you know, a, a non-corporeal, even kind of uh way that, what, that they're known. Um, and, so there was a. Was I working one specific tradition and one specific ritual? No, this was more um, feeling my way through what was arising from this very powerful contact that I had made, and was trying to sort of piece together the roadmap. Um, one of the things that became really clear was that the um, the contact seemed to be connected to my ancestral line. And um, particularly the women in my ancestral line and that tradition that those ancestors are mostly like Scots, Irish mm-hmm. and so um, and Welsh. And so I um, was sort of looking around for a teacher within those um, you know, within that sort of, and, and also the through like the American South is sort of where those ancestors came from. So I was sort of looking around for a teacher that could help me connect to the contact through, through my ancestors. And that's how I landed in the fairy seership tradition, which is, um, uh, comes out of um, Scotland, but through, um, you know, through the handed down from RJ Stewart to my mentor, Orion Foxwood, who is a Southern conjure worker out of Appalachia, but also carries the, you know, the Scottish form of that as well. So that seemed yeah. to fit really well with my ancestors. And ha- that was my, my, my opening really in my access point, a lot of that work.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It seems like uh, you took a very eclectic approach and it didn't happen like linearly, but rather, uh, sort of non-linearly uh, sort of like putting different pieces of the puzzle together and um, coming from different perspectives and sort of figuring it out. So that sounds Yeah, cool. mm-hmm.
1: very, sounds very cool. much so. Yeah. I mean, because that it wasn't, um, I mean, part of that, I think also is just the nature of, um, of where I live. I live in a, you know, cosmopolitan city that has a very uh, diverse, Population, and um, so as an eco-spiritual practitioner, I'm not only beholden to my ancestors, but also to like the spirits of place, to mm-hmm. the indigenous people, the first peoples that lived here before me, and to all of the various people that have lived in this city for the past, you know, two two hundred years or so, and so um, so given that I was using the land not using the land, but given that one of my access points was through the land and particularly through trees, there's a very strong tree connection to my, my contact. Um, it was sort of like this round table of various, um, spirits and spiritual contexts or, um, uh, spiritual technologies that I was having to, to address, right. And to, mm-hmm. um, be in good, be in right relationship with.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm very curious. How is this different from, uh, this being spirit marriage? How is it different from channeling and possession? Cause that's something that a lot of people have heard of, right? Like mediumship, channeling, possession. And, uh, are there any differences between what people call, perhaps like a spirit contact, a guide, a familiar?
1: Yeah, uh, I tend to think of it as um, uh, maybe a later stage in the spirit contact, familiar spirit, channeling um, spectrum. Mm. Uh, The idea being that when you have a contact, um, that contact can maybe um, be, be it maybe is stronger at times or it recedes at other times, or you know, channeling or mediumship you ha- sort of have or possessory experiences. You have a spirit come in and then leave, and there's this sort of delineation between you and the other. And with spirit marriage, And again, marriage is one of the words that I use. There are other words for it. And some of the other words for it are the indweller, Mm -hmm. uh, a merge, a symbiosis. So, those all sort of hint to this idea that this deeper embeddedness has happened between the human and the otherworldly consciousness. And, you know, as Orion Foxwood describes it, the two share a co creative consciousness. Forthwith after that marriage or the the ritual has happened, so it's a it's a deeper commitment, it's a deeper uh, bond um, in that there is uh, a kind of well, you know the best way I can describe it is uh, Orion says when he closes his eyes, he sees into his fairy wife's world he's married to a, a fairy being and um the the very, you know, uh, folkloric fairy right marriage tradition, and he says so. When he closes his eyes, he sees into her world, and when he opens his eyes, she sees into his world. So there is this symbiosis of consciousness that um, is usually, you know, happens in the marriage because that some some byproduct, some co-creative project um, wants to happen between you and the, the spirit beloved, um, the spirit partner, that um, might not happen otherwise. And as far as, you know, could it be a spirit that you had as a familiar spirit or tutelary spirit? Um, my research indicates, yes. You know, you could be have this spirit that is a companion for a while and then proposes marriage because the deepening... Um, because the deepening and the commitment that uh, that would uh, facilitate is what's um, what's needed, or you know requested of that relationship at that time. Kind of like you could have a someone that you're a friend with for a really long time, and then you kind of like decide you want to deepen that relationship, and you know it might become romantic, it might become you know a deeper commit committed kind of um structure or framework.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually. Um so it's definitely more of a closer relationship, more symbiotic relationship and uh as you mentioned uh it could be it could be a familiar spirit you're working with that uh became sort of a deeper connection together mm-hmm. as well. That's interesting. Okay. Um uh what's what's one cool thing about your book is that you um, explore so many different traditions, right? And so um, in these like various countries and traditions and cultures that you studied and explored, um, I'm curious, what are some of the commonalities, and perhaps like the most notable differences as well among uh, these traditions and these uh, spirit marriages that you studied?
1: Yeah. Well, I ended up interviewing nine different people in seven different traditions. And and as you said, vastly different traditions as far as their geographic location from, you know, a Shakta Tantric to West African uh, uh, practitioner of the Dagara tradition out of Burkina Faso, West Africa, uh, to Vodou practitioners from both Haiti and um, New Orleans, uh, witchcraft practitioners Ceremonial magician, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and one of the things that I thought was really interesting, um, pretty much across the board, was the level of negotiation that these um, practitioners went through with their respective spirit spouses. So it wasn't like the spirit showed up, and and also the fact that um, none of them really sought out a spirit marriage. It was always something that was. Um, they, they were either, either invited into by or, or requested of them by the, um, an elder in their community, or the spirit proposed to them. And um, so that was, that, that, and that is sort of a hallmark of the um, spirit marriage practice traditionally, is that you don't necessarily go seeking one of these out. That being said, Um, we can all woo and step into deeply loving devotional relationships with spirits and deities and, and whatnot. And so I don't think it's a, I don't think if you wanted to woo a divine being, a being that you were, um, that you were, you know, badly in love with or wanting to deepen a relationship with that, that would be, you know, out of the, out of the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's more traditional, that, you know, the spirit proposed. Um, in any event, the, one of the interesting commonalities was this negotiation piece where they didn't just roll over and say, Oh, you want to marry me? Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you everything. I'll do whatever you want. There was a lot of like boundary setting and some pushback and some um, I'm not ready yet. Uh, I, I will, you know, uh, uh negotiate around timing and um and i thought that was really inspiring because okay. i think that um in my case that's exactly what i did you know the proposal happened and i didn't really say yes for probably almost 10 years mm. um because I was like, I don't know who you are. (laughs) You aren't showing up consistently the same way. I need to figure out what this is that I would be saying yes to, because Mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, it's, and honestly for me, it's like, you know, it's not all that different than getting to know a human partner. Like you want to know who you're getting involved with. You want to do your due diligence and, um, so that's what I did. So that, but that was something that many, many of my um, co-researchers, the, the people that I interviewed, um, shared a similar kind of um, of really uh, setting boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. What is what was different was kind of the protocol, right? If there was a very strong spirit marriage tradition within that um spiritual um system. For example, the Vodou traditions um, have something called the Mariage Loa, and that is readily practiced within those communities. And um, there's a there's a protocol for it. There's expectations and and you know it very much mirrors a human marriage. Um, in that the, the community is present, there's some special clothes that are worn, there's a cake usually, and rings mm. are exchanged and vows and all of that. But um, in some of the other traditions, for example, the Shakta Tantric, uh, when she married the goddess Kali, mm. uh, it was sort of just this done deal where she went into the temple one day and um, she had had... Um, indications that it was probably coming, um, portents, if you will, or or a to- we call them sort of tokens, things like uh, she was de- decorated like a bride at this Mindy ceremony when she was there for uh, another friend's wedding. And she thought that was odd. And then, you know, maybe months, maybe it was like a year later, she went in to a temple to do a, a sadhana practice for Kali. And the, um, the priest that was there gave her a wedding sari and the sort of marriage happened spontaneously. Um, and then there's, there's sort of the whole gamut in between, like some of them involved community and some of them were very personal just between the individual and the spirit spouse. Um, and it really varied according to how codified spirit marriage was already within that community's
0: traditions. Okay, very interesting. Something that came to mind while you're um, while you're speaking on this, they are these relationships do seem very similar to how one would see like a human to human relationship too, right? Like their boundaries um sort of uh seeing like is this a win-win or is this a hostile kind of thing right and mm-hmm. uh one, one might need time to sort of um evaluate whether this is the right fit right and know know the mm-hmm. person better or know the spirit better so I'm curious this came to mind while you're speaking um is there also is it common or did you come across a lot of spirit divorce as well or breaking up with that spirit or is that not a not wasn't as common
1: you know it it really depends on the nature of the spirit. Um, For example, uh, Orion Foxwood's Marriage to the Fairy Bree was a seven-year process that, you know, he describes it as being rewired um, psycho-emotionally. And, and physically as well. And he said, you know, once that, because I asked them, I asked everybody, you know, that I interviewed is their divorce. And, and, and he said that with, you know, fairy beings, it's not really an option once you've gone through that level. And, and I should pause and say that fairy, as we work with it within fairy seership is not, we're not talking about um, fairies like Tinkerbell right? We're not Thank talking you. about sprites with wings. We're talking about primordial denizens of earth before humans uh, arose uh, on the planet, um, much more akin to like J.R.R. Tolkien's elves. That fact, mm. he, he based his elves in Lord of the Rings um, more on folkloric fairy um, tradition in many ways. And so these ancient primordial beings uh, can, for the unprepared, and this is why it's often said that working with fairies is dangerous, because for the unprepared nervous system, it can be kind of like sticking your finger in a light socket, can really fry your circuits. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not unlike uh, the way that fo- folks uh, in the tantric communities talk about kundalini shakti, Right? Mm-hmm. It's, this, it's this lightning energy that is just um, can really un, un, unnerve and sort of unmake someone. Um, and so the fairy marriage can take up to seven to nine years to, to achieve. And once it's done, it can't be undone. That being said, um, in uh, the, uh, the Washington um, witch doctor, uh, she's a witchcraft practitioner, Caroline, that I interviewed, um, has divorced a spirit. And, uh, you know, in her case, she's a, a, a sort of a pantheist married to a variety of different spirits. So that's something that is possible as well as this sort of polyamorous um, constellation of being married to more than one spirit being. And she is uh, married to more than one spirit in cross pantheons. So in in different. Sometimes radically different traditions, and um, wh- many of her spirit marriages happened sort of spontaneously, where the spirit appeared and said, Um, I want to marry you. And um, Caroline, uh, if she sort of knew the spirit, was like, Okay, you know, let's see where this goes. And in one case, she said that it wasn't going very well, and she wasn't very pleased with how the spirit relationship was going, and so she sort of went before a spirit who uh, a deity who had sort of governance over the spirit that she was married to and asked for a divorce and was granted it. So it's not, you know, um, unheard of, but what I like to encourage people is to really know who you're getting involved with before you give up that level of, before you make that level of commitment, you know, make sure that you're working with a spirit deity, angel, whatever, that, you know, like a trust that has given you its, its name and that you have, um, that you have developed a, uh, a relationship with, because, you know, we bring things to the relationship, mm-hmm. um, It's not just about, oh, holy being out there that I'm, you know, a supplicant to. It's actually, you know, standing in our um, sovereignty as, uh, you know, as, as, as a human and knowing that there are things that we can do that they can't. And there are things that they do that we can't and that together we can actually create something really, really wonderful.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Um, there are so many examples in your book of different spirit marriages, but I was wondering if you can kind of share um, a little bit more details about maybe one of those cases and, uh, you know, things along the lines of like, how did that process occur? How did the spirit marriage occur? And uh, what was the nature of the relationship? And how did that sort of change that person?
1: Mm. Well, one of the stories that I love is um, the story of Madrone and she is the West African shrine keeper. Um, and she was a practitioner of the, the Dagara um, tradition which comes out of Burkina Faso, West Africa. And her husband is also, her human husband is also a practitioner. And they were students of uh, Dr. Maladoma Some, uh, who some folks may have heard of, uh, who brought his tradition uh, from West Africa here to the United States and established communities both on the East and the West Coast. And Madrona and her husband are part of the West Coast community. um, And her husband is in spirit marriages with certain spirits um, in that, in that pantheon. And they needed to establish, he needed to establish some shrines that um, couldn't in the way that their spiritual technologies work, those shrines that he needed and the work that he needed to do couldn't be established until this one shrine, which is called the Tingan shrine was established for the community because all of the rituals and the workings and the spiritual tradition of Dagara land is done within community. It's within a group and a community of people. And so he and we were talking about, you know, we need to establish this Tingan shrine. Who's going to be the shrine keeper for this Tingan shrine? And Tingan is the masculine energy of earth that governs abundance and stability and finance and contracts and things like that and is established through a tree. Um, There's a tree that is installed as the shrine and then the spirit sort of moves and breathes through this tree for the community. And they were sort of scratching their chins and they're like, who is going to, who would be a good fit for, to be the, the spirit, you know, companion, the spirit spouse for gone, and be the shrine keeper. And Melendoma said, oh my gosh. You know who it is? It's it's your wife. It's Madrone. Yeah. She is the perfect because her her mundane job out in the world is she's a financial planner. And she right. already had a really strong relationship with Trees. And so they asked, Melodoma asked her to marry Dingon, And she, you know, was kind of like, oh my goodness, this, this is, you know, sort of like an arranged marriage. <laughs> 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 but but she said you know it it really made sense and and so um and so that's that's what happened is she married um Tingan and the whole community they did this whole ritual with the community there and um she took vows and you know it was this really beautiful ceremony as she described it and very moving um because that you know she was doing it in service to the community to the furthering of her husband's spiritual practice, and just you know, this really beautiful um, way in which she really understood that she was furthering her work as a as a financial advisor in the world by now being this anchor point for this um, spirit that would serve you know serve. Uh, in a a new capacity, the the, many of the things that she was already
0: doing. That's very interesting. One thing that came to mind um, while reading your book and listening to your stories is that oftentimes uh, some of these people, they also have um, like an earthly spouse, right? Like a husband or wife Mm -hmm. on top Mm -hmm. of having a uh, spirit concert, spirit marriage. Is there ever any like conflict along those lines or is that not seen um you know I'm, I'm just wondering is like does does one or the other get jealous i mean i could see human beings getting jealous i'm curious if there's mm. um if there's like jealousy on the other end you know
1: well it really helps if your human partner um like madrones is in the tradition that you're working or at least is you know understands that you that you know you're working in this this framework of this particular spiritual technology. Um, and negotiation, again, right, is a big piece of this. I, I talk about uh, in the Haitian Vaudu-Saint, um chapter about Monique and her husband, who she's a Mambo and he's an Ungan. and between the two of them, they're married to a handful of different Lois which are the deities in that tradition. And um, they had to negotiate because then in their tradition, um, you are supposed to spend anywhere from, you know, one or two nights a month to one night a week with the different spirits that you're the different law that you're married to. Cause each has a specific day that is sacred to them. And she said, they sat down and did the math. And if she were spending one night a week with her spirit spouses and he was, or, you know, with each of them on their different nights. And he was that they, they would never sleep in the same bed together. Mm-hmm. And so They, you know, they negotiated Mm -hmm. with the spirits and with each other so that, you know, they have maybe like a a few nights a month that set aside for the spirits and then they're able to be in their marital bed uh, the rest of the month. So so that was, you know, it can be complex if you have, you know uh no contact, you know, if your partner has no contact or if they have a lot of contact. Um, But I'm also thinking of Orion's story where he shared that, you know, he was uh, in a long-term relationship. He's gay. So he was in a long-term relationship with his partner um who uh, had been with him while he was setting up his coven on the East Coast and had been with him while he was um, serving uh, starting, um, uh, addiction recovery programs for the government. And then when Brie showed up, and asked to marry Orion, it was sort of the beginning of the end of his relationship with his partner because his partner was just, you know, felt like that he had shared Orion with the government and he shared him with his coven. And now he was going to have to share him with this spirit that was inside of him that could never be extricated from him. And it was just, it was ended up being kind of too much. Mm -hmm. Um, Interestingly uh, though, um, not long after that, Orion met his current fiance who, um, they've been together and he's never known Orion without Brie. And so, um, and, 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 and in his case, he's also a, a spirit worker as well. And so, yeah, so it takes a certain sort of relationship, a certain sort of person. Um, but it really helps if we find, you know, if our human partners, um, are tolerant of and aware of our sort of um, out of the box spirituality and out of the box sexuality, right? Because mm-hmm. this is a very spiritual intimate. Uh, this is sometimes called spiritual intimacy, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, in terms of uh, as you mentioned, like in spirit marriage, there are um, there are sexual aspects to it too, right?
1: There can be, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. there can be so so um like you were saying like definitely i i mean i could see as you mentioned in the first case of um uh orion's first partner i mean i could i could understand uh somebody being jealous especially if they didn't understand the nature of these relationships and they're not sort of uh within these traditions right and as you mentioned earlier like um in the other example if, if it's part of your community or part of your tradition it's definitely much easier to understand but uh it seems sort of like a challenge could be finding somebody who, you know, is maybe not in these traditions or not um, a part of these practices uh, so, sort of getting them to understand what's going on, you know?
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. then the question of like, how much do you want to disclose with potential new partners, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you, um, how do you, So in my case, when I, when this started happening for me, um, I had a, I was in a fairly new relationship. um, But the, the first contact started happening before um, before I had met my partner at the, at the time. And it was it was almost like this sort of synchronous thing, mm. uh, but it never. I mean, in my case, uh, my contact almost always happened when I was in my dream mm-hmm. space, and so it never really detracted or took away from um, my my human relationships. It, if anything, sort of expanded and enhanced and and really set the course of um, what we would study together. So, you know, Mm -hmm. my partner at the time, when, when the, the relationship was emerging, uh, he and I studied ceremonial magic and initiated into ceremonial magic tradition together because that, that was sort of precipitated by this spirit lover that I had. And, um, and then later on, um, the doing the Babylon ritual, mm-hmm. or my version of that, right, um, was what called to my to me my current partner, who actually aspects or has a, a very strong resonance with my spirit, beloved. So that's an interesting aspect of this. That um, sometimes, particularly people who are unpartnered but have a uh, with a human partner but have a spirit beloved that's wooing them, there is this way in which kind of like with what um, with what uh, Parsons, Jack Parsons did where you can invite the spirit to bring a person into your life that is a host or a, a kind of um, a, in alignment mm-hmm. with that, that spirit beloved, right? So we all have these divine selves that are sort of rarefied aspects of our mundane self and um that we can um that we can host right that we can express uh and you see this really clearly in the tantric traditions with the deity yoga practices right where you're seeing the divine in your beloved and your human beloved and and they might um even sort of that divine being might even come and move forward into them as you host your divine being and then there's this sort of beautiful um Beautiful uh, merging and mingling of uh, that with through a sort of sacred sexual lens, and so there are ways in which we can summon or invite. I like I prefer the invitation rather than the (laughs) (laughs) demand, right? That we can invite the divine um, that or the the spirit beloved that we are in this relationship with to bring people or a person into our life that hosts that energy and allows us to, um, to deepen both in the physical and in the spiritual. And so that's what happened for me when my, my current partner showed up. I had done this ritual and within about, I don't even think it was, it might've been six months, maybe, mm-hmm. probably more like three, um, that he showed up very demonstrably, uh, presencing this this spirit beloved that I was that I was you know working with and that was that was um, remarkable and challenging and <laughs> uh, you know uh, because the, just because somebody's hosting a, a divine you know energy or or your spirit beloved doesn't mean that they are that a hundred percent of the time right right and so then there's coming to terms with all of the mundane human
0: stuff sure sure that makes absolute sense um i think some people are probably listening to this and they're very uh curious about this and they might be thinking like what are the benefits what are the pitfalls um of undergoing a spirit marriage so since you have experience and uh you know a vast amount of study on this i'm kind of curious what are some of the Uh, maybe personal benefits or benefits that you've noticed with other people. And then maybe some of the pitfalls or some of the things that people should watch out for.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, the benefits are, are, um, this enlivenment, this vitalization that can happen, um, particularly, uh, with our, uh, physical body. Um, I went through a whole sort of recalibration process which really refined um, a lot of my um, my extraordinary perception. like so one of the byproducts, one of the folkloric byproducts in fact, of the human spirit marriage is um, an expanded, capacity uh as sometimes that expanded capacity is eloquence sometimes it's charismata uh extraordinary perception prophecy like esp prophecy uh poetry creativity Mm -hmm. um and you look at the the like the historical and the folkloric accounts and you you know uh, I'm thinking right now of Thomas the Rhymer, who was a actual Laird in Scotland, and I think mm, 12th, 13th century, uh, uh, also known as Thomas of Ursul Dune. And, you know, his fairy marriage, the byproduct of that was that he wrote all of these prophecies and, and was renowned at that time. I mean, this is a historical figure who was renowned for his prophetic capability as well as um, his his eloquence and, and, um, and his um, poetry. And so um, that is often a gift, a byproduct is these sort of expanded human, um, beyond just the mundane human senses, the sort of extrasensory capacities um, as for pitfalls, I mean, I think that it, you know, I talk about sort of um, the three, uh, the three things that you sort of want to look, uh, be aware of, and, and watch out for are, you know, like spiritual bypassing. Oh, I've married this spirit, and therefore, you know, I am so evolved and so <laughs> awake, so woke, and so beyond the beyond. You know, so self-aggrandizement. Right? You have to be really careful that you're realizing that like, you know, yes, you may have this special, extraordinary relationship, but there's a lot of other people out there that do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, comparing yourself to others. Well, I've got this spirit marriage, so that makes me special. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, just staying really, um, really humble, right? Really cl- hummus, like humble. I love the the word humble because the, the root of that is hummus, which is like earth, like staying really grounded, right? So one of the things that can happen as a byproduct of any extraordinary contact is we become very ungrounded, right? We become very sort of like up in the ethers and um, depending on the spirit that you're working with. But the point is to st- to be in your body and fully embodied, right? That mm-hmm. is the, that's sort of the sweet spot with this is how do I have expand into this, but also really bring it down into a rooted, grounded, um, embodied uh, practice, because that's where shape, that's where we shape and change and form things is here in the, in the physical.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Okay. Um, One term that I came across um, that I was unfamiliar with personally is uh, entheosis. So maybe you can uh, explain to the audience and me uh, what is entheosis and how does this relate to spirit marriage?
1: Yeah, so the root of entheosis is entheos, which means the divine within, mm. and entheosis um, is a sort of an older term in mostly the Christian tradition um, that I'm sort of dusting off and reclaiming and talking about that we each have, as I said, a divine self that we that we can that is actionable, right? That we can step into relationship with and get to know, like trust, love. And perhaps even Mary. So, Mary, in the sense that we step into deep union and deep what what the ceremonial magicians call knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Holy Guardian Angel. There's you know lots of different ways we can grok that, but I think of that and the Divine Self as as sort of same same. Mm -hmm. Um, And so. You know, like I said, that traditionally with spirit marriage, the spirit is inviting us into the marriage. And that may not be the case for everybody, right? Not everybody has a spirit that's ringing their doorbell saying, I want to marry you. But each of us has a divine self, right? Each of us has this um, divine self, matet, holy guardian angel, ishtadevi. There's lots of different terms for this concept of a being that is infinitely wise and loving beyond just our higher self, but this like divine presence that is an intelligence that we are an expression of, or we're here to be an expression of, we have the potential to express and, and we can all reach to that we can all um, woo that part of us forward we can all find that devotional relationship and that is the process of entheosis it is the art of awakening the divine within and and really knowing and loving and um, and conversing with that part of ourselves to the point where maybe we just maybe we just start flowing that energy right as, as who we are, right. And as how we show up more yeah. and more.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, you know, for some listeners that are listening to this, they might be interested in, uh, you know, taking part in a spirit marriage or wondering how would one engage in this process? Because it sounded like you mentioned earlier that a lot of the, um, the case studies, they sort of, it wasn't necessarily that the person was seeking that, but it was either part of the tradition or um, the spirit sort of contacted them and initiated it. Right. So are mm-hmm. there any ways that a human, you know, could you work with um, you know, different operations or like, kind of like you were saying earlier in your experience, like you can do certain practices that um, would open the doors for um, you know, such contact and such uh, potential relationship happening.
1: Yes. So, um, I give a series of practices in the third part of the book, um, which is like, you know, okay, so you've learned about spirit marriage and now what, what do you want to do with it? (laughs) Do you want to do anything with it? Uh, so there's some practices in the book. Um, and, then you know i offer a spirit and marriage 101 self study course where you can learn about spirit marriage and begin to learn practices and um tools and rituals for um for stepping into that, that kind of relationship. And really what I encourage people to do, the first thing is to really find a devotional being or a devotional deity. I like to encourage people to work with deity just because that there are typically built up um, forms that have been kind of vetted and there, there's that sort of no like, and trust factor with them. Um, but certainly, you know, along the lines of the knowledge conversation with the holy guardian angel, it doesn't, it it isn't necessarily just a codified deity form that you could be working with, you know, to find one's angel is, is, you know, akin to sort of like finding a needle in a haystack. It could be a myriad of different, um, forms or ways in which that presents, um, but in any event, I encourage people to, you know, um, self excavate. So sort of look at your own personal story. Um, look at what are the myths, um, or even the fairy tales that you've been drawn to throughout your life. Look at, um, what, uh, uh, my one of my teachers, uh, Doctor Craig Chalquist, talks about what is the mythological archetype that you have been living into in in your life, you know, um, and that might give you sort of this breadcrumb trail that you follow to find um, the the being, the deity, the the divine form that you might might want to might want to woo might want to date a little bit and get to know.
0: Yeah, great, great. I'm really enjoying your book so far, as I mentioned. uh, It's a very long book, but it's very interesting. What I I personally enjoy about it is that um, you draw on so many different uh, cases and traditions. It's, um, as you mentioned, you you put in tips at the end. I'm not on that part yet, but there's sort of um, practical aspects to it. Uh, academic aspects to it uh you know just fun entertaining <laughs> aspects to it so um you know a lot of books you might read on similar to- topics could be either very dry and academic right where you're, it's sort of uh, i mean it's interesting but it's not necessarily interesting to read if that makes sense right mm-hmm. so your, yours yours is really interesting because it combines so many different it's very uh, it's like a living book it's very diverse um and at the same time uh rooted or, uh, um, yeah, rooted in like academic study and um, like professional in that regard, right? It's not just like a random, uh, you know, it's not like you're, you're just journaling whatever, right? So,
1: right. yeah, right. so I really
0: enjoyed that aspect of it. But uh, um, I'm curious, do you have any uh, upcoming projects or books or any other um, uh, events or anything along those lines? And then also how can people um, who are listening to this personally, Find you, reach out to you, like that.
1: Yeah. So um, I have my Spirit Marriage One Hundred and One self-study course, which is just ongoing. Enroll, go at your own pace, whenever you want, um, and that's available um, on my website, which is Dr. Megan Rose, M E G A N R O S E with a D R in front, drmeganrose.com. dot com, um, and. Uh, I also have, um, a group program. Um, and when you take, when you sign up for the self-study course, you get a free month in my group program with other spirit marriage practitioners. So these are people who have spirit marriages or are in the, you know, uh, the process of, Um, stepping into one. And I, you know, really feel strongly that, you know, this practice is something that is um, best done with a community of um, understanding and compassionate folks around you because that it's such a, um, it's such an edgy topic and it's such a sort of a new thing that um, it can easily become kind of um, ungrounding. And um, so I, I have, you know, curated a group of folks um, from my various um, students and and clients and whatnot um, in this small group program. And then um, I will be teaching a course this fall through Cherry Hill Seminary on the dark goddess, who is one of my devotional deities and one of my deep bonded relationships. So that'll be uh, in November and you can go to Cherry Hill seminary.org I believe it is uh to enroll in that course and that's just a four-week course that we'll meet um and explore the topic of the dark goddess
0: oh cool yeah that sounds really interesting I think it's cool that you're offering um uh this sort of community well the course too but also the community because as you mentioned um in a lot of your stories and case studies uh the community aspect is such a foundation or backbone of it too right whereas uh in sort of the western uh what would you say individualistic world i often feel that people are isolated or cut off from that sense of community right they have sort of more individualistic outlook so that was one interesting thing i mentioned i was just in the the bay area um, or in california and going to america and asia it's such a different dynamic right because in asia it's a group culture it's a group dynamic. Everything's about the relationships, right? Whereas in America, everyone's yeah. sort of doing their own thing and for, for better or for worse, right? They have pros yeah. and cons, but uh, yeah. uh, in this particular case with spirit marriage, it seems like having that community and people to talk to and uh, um, sort of, you know, support and to share your experiences is something that uh, I think would be very important if one were taking these practices on, you know, on their own and sort of questioning themselves. Right. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it's not a typical thing. You don't go to, uh, you know, you don't go to the coffee shop and talk about your spirit marriage, unless it's somebody, you know, it's sort of out of the ordinary, out of the mundane. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, What, Uh, one of my co-researchers, the Shakta Tantric Kamadevi says, we either all get there together or we don't get there at all. Um, And that's the philosophy in the, in the, in the Tantric community in the Kula. Um, And so uh, what I really uh, have tried to do um, and I do, I should pause and say, I do have a free online group um, that is on Facebook and it's just, spirit it's called spirit marriage discussion group that anybody can join so that you you know it's not just uh um my my private paid group which is the um which is way more high touch and and i do a lot of teachings and we you know really have a, a, a deep intimacy and in, within the the group um of practitioners but there's also this sort of discussion group that i've got it's on facebook um but in any event you know the idea that community plays this really key role um was really at the heart of uh my my practice and my offerings because um you know like in my case i didn't have a community for a very long time mm-hmm. and and certainly not a community of spirit and marriage practitioners you know um And what I was being pulled into was not situated in one specific tradition. Mm. Um, There were a few different pieces that were moving around, um, you know, And I was trying to figure out, you know, if, if you're called by a law into the Vodou tradition, there's a very strong practice and community support and understanding of how to take you through that process. But, you know, um, in my case, that wasn't what I was being called into. And many of my, my students and clients are being pulled into relationships with entities that, with with spirits that don't have a specific tradition that they align to and so i really wanted to create a culture and a community for for those people and also for people who might be pulled into something and they are trying to understand the beginning of it and then you know oh they might actually want to deepen with a tantric path or deepen with a voodoo path or deepen with a fairy seership. And then I can point them in the direction of, you know, here's, here's the path that, 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 you know, I can, I can send them on to another teacher. Right. So they can Mm -hmm. kind of come to me and get the, get the foundations laid and then deep dive with mm-hmm. you know one of these other traditions that are out there, and you know as a religious studies scholar, that's what I've kind of always done is looked you know comparatively at at and cross culturally at at different religious traditions and practices.
0: Yeah, so you're like the uh, the human guide to the spirit world, in other words,
1: <laughs> <laughs> or the spirit marriage world, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: oh, very good. I really enjoyed this uh, conversation, and definitely going to keep uh, reading your book. Really enjoying that as well. And, um, as you mentioned, you have a Facebook group. Can people reach out to you on Facebook and Instagram or what's the best way to get in touch as well via your website as well, right?
1: Yeah, you can, they can reach out to me on my website. If they, if they do via my website, I have some freebies on there that, um, you can, you know, sign up and get a a three keys to spirit marriage. um, And also on my, you know, contact form on my website, that's probably the best way to reach me. I am, you know, I have a presence on Instagram, uh, Dr. Megan Rose and on Facebook. um, But as far as, you know, reaching out and, and getting like a, a live response, unless you're, you join the group and you're commenting and then, you know, I might be commenting back, um, but, uh, contact me on my, through my website is probably the best way.
0: Okay, cool. All right. I'll, uh, include all the links, uh, in the show notes to your website, uh, social media, as well as your, um, your book as well. And so thanks a lot for coming on and, uh, until next time.
1: Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been a pleasure.